Hello and welcome to Optimal Living with Dr. Jeremy Spiegel. This podcast is sponsored by Casco Bay Medical, New England's most thoughtful practice, offering psychiatric evaluations, medication management, short and long-term psychotherapy, opiate addiction treatment, and evaluations and recommendations for medical marijuana. Casco Bay Medical's offices are conveniently located in Portland, Maine, and in greater Boston, Massachusetts. Today's topic, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing for post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. And today, let's first talk about PTSD. What is it? PTSD is an anxiety disorder triggered by exposure to some really bad event, usually involving injury or death. This could be a disaster, it could be physical or sexual assault, terrorism, a bad accident. Often this is military combat. Or just by witnessing a traumatic event, you have the potential of developing this disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Now, PTSD, if you don't know, involves three major areas of symptoms. The first area is reliving the event, the bad, horrific event, which disturbs day-to-day activity. You might have, say, flashbacks, where the event seems to be occurring in real time during the day as you zone out and feel as if you're back during the initial event. You may have intrusive memories of the event, memories that are upsetting, nightmares. Secondly, you might have avoidance, avoidance where you have a kind of emotional numbing, feeling as though you don't quite care about anything, feeling detached, and even even being unable to remember important aspects of the bad event that has happened to you. And thirdly, there is arousal. Arousal where you might have difficulty concentrating, you might startle very easily, you might in fact have an exaggerated response to things that startle you. Uh, Of course, this can interfere with sleep and you might uh, have more anger than you normally would, feeling more on edge and aware of of your surroundings, what they call hypervigilance. But, um, I mean, this all sounds like a a, a sort of a dictionary definition, and and these are the uh, standard criteria for making a diagnosis if you're a therapist, a psychiatrist, or psychiatric nurse practitioner. But I I think of it um, this way, actually. I think that what PTSD is at its heart is a memory, is a three-dimensional memory that gets stuck in you. It gets stuck in your brain, in your mind, in your body. And in its feeble attempts to escape you, you re-experience the trauma again and again and again. And as much as you might do to naturally avoid reminders of this trauma, unfortunately, the past is too, too present. And so, you know, I, I mean, there are reasons why we are prone to this as human beings. You know, we've survived for millennia. We've survived for millennia due in large part to our ability to replay events that we so badly need to avoid. And if we don't avoid them, well, we die. So we have this incredible ability to visualize, to remember. And in PTSD, this goes awry. Something goes wrong. That is to say, whatever the stimulus was, the event, the horrific event, 
was so powerful to us that uh, we can't quite let go of it. So today, today in the studio with me is a wonderful person. His name is Glenn Selwood. Glenn Selwood is not only a first-rate psychotherapist, not only is Glenn Selwood a, a practitioner of what we are going to talk about today, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, uh, otherwise known as EMDR. Glenn is also a veteran. Glenn was uh, a medic with the Marine Corps in the first Gulf War. Glenn, thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me. Glenn, why don't you tell us what is it that you see when someone comes to you who has post-traumatic stress disorder? What, what do you see? You know, what, what does the person present to you typically? Well, I like how you put it earlier when you say that it's, it's, a, it's a memory that uh, – a trauma memory is a memory that just replays over and over again um, against our will. Um, so what I see is when somebody comes into my office and they're having flashbacks, they're, they're re-experiencing this trauma like it's happening right now. But that's only part of it. The other part is that the part of their brain, their ability to get updated information about the current world, about the current moment that they're in, telling them that they're safe, mm -hmm. that part of their brain starts to shut down. So they are feeling profoundly alone in this very horrific memory, even though their current situation is perfectly safe. So their thinking mind shuts down. Exactly. The, if you think of a person's body like a big antenna, constantly getting up-to-date information about the world around you, the part of the brain that processes that current safe information stops working effectively. And at the same time, the, the part of the brain that processes the emotions, that holds these emotions, if you think of it like it's a videotape of a horror movie, only instead of just audio and video, you also get emotional data, you get, you get physical memory. It's not just a, a, a memory, it's an experience. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's, it's this kind of whole body, whole person kind of memory. It's not just a small image in your head that you can't quite quell. It's something larger, your entire person. Exactly. And the other part of the person's mind that does not work effectively in these situations is the part of the brain that has the clock in it. That a trauma memory is, my nickname for it is I call it emotional Tupperware. It oh. always stays fresh. And so when that play button gets pushed, it feels like it's happening right now. Wow. Wow. Emotional Tupperware. When somebody has a kind of trauma, and you say that the emotional mind is sort of goes out of control, but the thinking mind shuts down. That means that somebody, even though it's safe where they happen to be, maybe they're in a supermarket or maybe they're, they're at home with their family, still they can have symptoms, severe symptoms even, of post-traumatic stress disorder, even though really there's nothing that's unsafe. It's nothing like 
uh, being on the front lines as they might have been when they were overseas uh, fighting. Exactly. And in fact, they may not even be aware of a triggering event. They could be walking around the grocery store and all of a sudden it's like flicking a switch and they're in the middle of a panic attack thinking that somebody's going to get them. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll go out into the parking lot and, and gather themselves and have no understanding of what it was from their environment that triggered it. Wow. So... So what do you do with somebody who comes in? I mean, certainly you're, you're not just treating veterans. No. So somebody comes in and they uh, need treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. Do you take them into – do you do a certain kind of assessment uh, to determine what kind of treatment that you're going to give them? Exactly. To qualify for EMDR treatment. Um, the person has to have some resources on board. In other words, they have to possess some ability to reground themselves, to, to get themselves back to some sense of calm. And so when I'm meeting with somebody for the first time, that's what I'm looking for. I'm assessing their resources. I'm assessing their ability to self-soothe and to ground Self-soothe. So, what, what do you mean by that? Um, to be able to regulate their breathing, for example, okay. to be able to um, be aware of the current information. Uh, the current information, the current situation. Current situation. That they're in a safe room with a, a trained therapist. Exactly. Okay. The second thing I will do is I'll do what I call a, a narrative, which is I'll have them describe their, the traumatic event for me. And when I'm doing this, I'm doing what I call targeting. I'm looking for the, the, the big event, the, 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 the traumatizing event. It's not always an obvious event, sadly. In, in situations of complex trauma where there are multiple situations or if the event uh, occurred over the course of years, this is, um, can be rather challenging to understand exactly what is the traumatizing event. And what, can you give us an example of, of what that could be? I mean, we can all picture, uh, you know, a, a, a roadside bomb exploding or some kind of a terrorist uh, attack. But what, what are you getting at? What is that? Uh... Sure. For example, a woman living with uh, an emotionally abusive man for years, mm-hmm. coming into treatment because of a recent phys- episode of physical abuse. I see. The low-hanging fruit, so to speak, would be to look at the physical abuse as the traumatizing event. But it could very well be something that happened earlier, possibly even before that relationship began, that laid the initial groundwork for the trauma and then having a relationship with an emotionally abusive man reinforced an already existing uh, mindset 